Welcome to another edition of the Puro Pinche Primos. Hola, primo, primas. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. I'm your primo, Luis Velasquez. That's your primo, Christopher Costellos. Yes, we are back with another episode of the Puro Pinche Primos. Christopher, how are you doing, primo? Coming back from your trip. How was it? Tell me everything you loved and hated about it, if you remember anything at all. I remember some things. (laughs) Welcome back, man. It's good to be back. I feel like we haven't done one of these in a long time. We should try and turn these into like a show or something. Right, right. We should do right. something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm good, man. You know what I had that I thought I would never have? And I figured I'm here. I might as well do it. I had escargot. I had snails. That's bougie, bro. That's bougie, primo. Saying it out loud feels really gross. Yeah, I mean, it's... Did you Disgusting. put it in a tortilla or something? Or how do you eat escargot? Like, that- the Mexican, it's like, why would you ever eat that? Although Mexicans eat lengua on a regular basis, yeah, which yeah. I'm also still. Co- <laughs> but it was, yo, surprisingly, it was incredible. Like I'd eat it again. Yeah. Yeah, I did not. I feel eat- like that's something like, like you can't just go anywhere and eat that though, right? Like you got to probably be. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was dope. I was, you know, I was in this like little cafe at like midnight, and. Well, hold on, hold on. I, anyway, that doesn't know. Like you, you just came. You're in Amsterdam, right? I was in Amsterdam, but this I had these in Paris. Oh, no. so I was in this little like cafe in Paris at midnight, which sounds very romantic, and that's right. how I feel. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I wanted. I was like, let me eat this thing now before I like, because I will never take this risk again. And I had already been drinking a little bit, and I had, I had taking things that I had brought with me from Amsterdam. Uh-huh. And so place of like very like positive space and it was delicious. Like I was shocked. Yeah. I was expecting it to be gross and I was like, fuck it, I'm wasting my money buying this because I know I'm going to hate it and I loved it. It was like really, really good. So that was the weirdest thing for me. And then aside from that, like French onion soup and crepes and that was incredible and I gained like at least seven pounds. In the That's awful. Totally. I think I would, like none of that sounds appetizing to me. Like French onion soup is horrible. <laughs> I'm not a crepe dude. What? Yeah, I'm just crepe. It's it's like a little. It's like thin pancake. Yeah, it, to me, like the exactly too thin for like any flavor to be on there. Like you're just um, eating yo, the strawberries on top. It that you've ever. It's like too small. That dessert is too small. It's too thin of a dessert. <laughs> it's too, like there's not there, exactly like it's not even like you can't put flavor in something that thin, right? It's just. <laughs> You gotta have topping all over it, and the, and then you're just eating the topping at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you want you want more bread. You're like, give me more, more pancakes, sweet bread. Well, I mean, honestly, like I'm just not, I'm not like a, a big like dessert kind of dude, anyways. Like I'm not into like I I don't do a lot of dessert. But you, but you make pancakes for the kids, right? Yeah, yeah, I make pancakes for the kids. Sometimes. Like, what's your like- what is, how do you make pancakes for the kids? Like, what do you put on it, or like, what is their what's well, their jam? So usually, especially Ariana, like I gotta I gotta put like as much chocolate as like there's not enough chocolate in the world for Ariana. Yes. Yeah, she's yeah. totally up here. So like, I have to okay. make a set. Like I, I make pancakes for the little ones first, right? And I'm usually it's like brown sugar, some nutmeg, some vanilla, some cinnamon, 
all that into the pancake mix, and then you gotta throw in some like chocolate chips. I don't even know if you actually intend it. I feel like you're just grabbing whatever in the in the shelf and just like, all the time. That's how I cook. Like I just I never. Go... Like, What's that? <laughs> They're gonna have like paprika in their in their <laughs> whatever I feel it. That's yo. Stuff. That's the problem with like whenever I cook, and I'm not no like I'm not a good cook. Like I sometimes I get lucky and make something good, right? And then, that's what we all for. We just get lucky. Yeah, like, no, I, like just... I get lucky and I make something good. And the problem with like, like I said, I don't really go by a menu. Like I go by like a basis, right? Yeah. And so like I just, whenever I make something good, like I that's it. Like I don't know how I made that. Like I don't know. <laughs> you you not keep it track at all. Yeah, I keep it track. Of. Usually what I do is like <laughs> if I'm gonna make something, so like pancakes, right? If I'm gonna make something. I watch like four or five different videos and then take something from each of those videos. They're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. And I just combine it all in one. I respect it. <laughs> At least you're watching, doing research. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing that, bro. I've been doing it like, bro, I've been, look, look. <laughs> YouTube. You know me? YouTube yeah, on. you know me? I'm not mechanically inclined at all, but I, I changed the starter on my, in the van. Uh, was the last one I changed the starter in the van? I changed, uh, the uh the heater hose in the van uh i just changed i just cleaned out yesterday i had to clean out uh, my throttle body in the van like i was like damn i am i'm that dude now they just call me mechanic but all the first i find out that i have a secret button in my car because (laughs) i like my keys in the trunk (laughs) (laughs) that those are the problems that i'm creating for myself you got you got like real like mechanical stuff you're working on i'm here like how do I get the keys that start the thing out of the actual thing? <laughs> well, no, primo. Uh, so what else? Anything else wild and crazy going on in France? Were there, were there any primo and primas out there in France and Amsterdam? I know. <laughs> I did not see. <laughs> now that I think about it. Oh, my God. I did not see, or at least not to my, you know what I'm used to seeing in like physical attributes of of our Latino people, Latina women, like I am not. We did not did venture not out see. that far. I got it. I got into this random. Which is to be. Yeah, I got into this random guy's uh, TikTok. He was a, he's a, a British Mexican. And Ooh, he's out okay. there. He's out there. Looks like me and you, but he has an accent, you, you know, of, of being from the UK and he's out there and like he has to go like he but then like he goes off and, and tries to find these like little Mexican spots and they have tacos and all stuff he oh. and so like people are sending suggestions like hey you gotta try this this and then he go, goes out it's, it's going I'm like wow like our people are all made it all the way out there and he's like yeah they got taco places and stuff that's good cool, yeah. that's I mean I think you have to out there because I, I don't think they really have like like British cuisine is all that strong. Yeah, but, nobody likes uh, our food. Nobody yeah. likes our food. You, even though you I want to see the guy with the British accent, though. I'm sure he sounds like the smartest Mexican ever. Yeah, it's it's crazy though, right? Like he when he's talking English, like he's got that accent, but then when he talks Spanish, he sounds like fucking Mexican. So I was like, damn, this. You'd be like a spy. Yeah, it's just crazy. Anyways, primo, uh, let's get into some of this talk here, primo. Like uh, we missed so far. We have we didn't get a chance to talk about the Super Bowl. Um, at all, really. Um, the What's your biggest take? Biggest takeaway was, uh, I mean, I kind of knew Kansas City was going to win. 
I, I, I kind of felt that energy anyways. But, like, I think the NFL has got a problem. And it's already happened to two Super Bowls away. The field that these guys are playing in. Yeah, that's true. That was a big story. It was cra- it was so crappy, right? It was so, like, they're, they're overdoing this field. They're overdoing. Last year's Super Bowl is the reason OBJ, the field is the reason OBJ was not playing this year. That's why he hurt me? Yeah, yeah. So last year he, he hurt his ACL uh, in the Super Bowl, right? With the field. Um, and I hear hearing interviews uh, from the uh, from the other players that played in that game, they're like, yeah, they were talking about that certain spot in the, f- certain spot in the field. Uh, you know, warning teammates before OBJ got hurt. Like, hey, y'all watch that part of the field. Like, the field's real slippery there. It's not right. And they were like, they were saying like, there's different patches like that that were just like that. Um, and so like they, they, they're just overdoing it, honestly, right? Like stuff that I looked into, like uh, they just grew this particular uh, grass for the Super Bowl itself. And then like they overwatered it. They were trying to do all the scientific experiments to get this fucking feel just right and it totally just flopped it wasn't ready nobody's been walking on it until that week right of that grass and so uh, i guess the major problem was the rihanna uh uh practices they kept coming in and out bringing stuff in and out and it messed up the field the paint on the field was real slippery then it was just it was horrible like you got to be better this is the biggest show of the year and you can't have the field be that much of a problem when it comes to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think, you know, when in trying to make something special, sometimes you fuck it up, right? Like, uh, like we were just talking about, like, if I try to make really special pancakes, I'm sure I'd make some of the nastiest things <laughs> ever created. Right. But, you know, that's really interesting. I think one of the things that makes me think about, too, is like, just different ways that the NFL messes up. But I feel like what it also makes me think about with regards to the game is if the field is that messed up and everybody's having to deal with that, how much better does that make Patrick Mahomes' comeback and like legacy and story of the fact that this guy was already injured going into the Super Bowl and then played on a shitty field and more so, his offensive line did not allow a sack yeah. to the total team sack leading defense of the league. Like, but also, like, a lot of that had to do with the field also, right? There's so I saw so many clips of of defensive ends on – They're just falling down flat on their face before even getting contact because of this field. So it, it kind of got its – what's that? Was the fix in? Yeah, I think was so. That what- I think so. I think so. <laughs> NFL wanted Juju to have a win, uh, a ring. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but also a big controversy for that game was obviously the penalty at the end of the game that kind of just sewed it up for the Kansas City Chiefs. Your thoughts on that penalty should have been called. Was it the right call? So I'm conflicted because I feel like he essentially fouled that receiver twice, 
right? He held him going up the field, and then even on the turn, he pulled him back, pulled him again. And so the only thing I can think of in order to like defend the call with regards to like integrity of the game is that let's say the ref saw the first one, and then he saw the second one, he got to call it right. Right. Like you got to call if it's like, well, if I just saw you do it twice, like I gotta I gotta throw this flag before you do it upfield. Or am I waiting till this shit happens upfield and it's an even closer call where y'all are both looking like you're playing for the ball, but really you're pulling on this dude. And if I don't make that and y'all come back because of it, of a no call, right. like what's worse, a, a bad call or a no call? And I don't necessarily know as a ref, like I would think as a ref, you'd be like a no call is worse, right? Because it means like you're like incompetent, not doing your job right. versus trying again, trying to do your job so well that you fuck it up. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, it's just like a, a non-appreciative uh, job being an NFL referee, right? Uh, but I will say that uh, I, I I don't have a... What's that? Out of the major uh, NFL ref say compared that? to basketball or like being an umpire. Which is a th- a, the thankless one? No, I think this the hardest oh, to be yeah. an NFL it's harder to catch stuff with the eye than it is in the other sports. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so much going on in, in one play. They have so many refs that got to be hands. just got to be, I mean, eyes got to be everywhere, right? And the wild movement of a bunch of people, like, right? Like, your angle's always fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wish um, that they would just get, like, it is, it, it is 2023. Like, technology should be a lot better to get into these. Uh, t- to make these calls right, right, and I think honestly, I think the implement of the, of what the XFL is doing and kind of kind of playing around with that and, and and figuring that out so that the NFL um, can get better at it and use technology. So I don't know if you know, like XFL, um, their their replay system is just better, right? And so they have an agreement of with the NFL that they're going to try these things out in their league with the possibility of like NFL uh, using it, you know, in their league. So like they XFL and NFL has come together. It's like, Hey, we're thinking about doing this, uh, you know, ref wise and all this stuff, replay wise. Why don't you run it down there in the XFL uh, for a while? We'll see, you know, it's kind of like a trial period and then we'll see if we can do it in the NFL. So, which is, which is not a bad idea. No, it's not yet. a bad idea. It's 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 in geared with what kind of baseball is doing now with, with changing all the rules that they have this year. They they ran it down in the minor leagues first for a couple of years, saw how it ran there, and now this year they're implementing it. So right, the XFL's uh you know business plan is to be the the minor league for the NFL. So that's. Yeah, I think, you know what's interesting about that you bring up the, like, in the way baseball is where, like, the, I think now, like, the pitch clock. And I just saw uh, a sports writer tweet that, like, basically, there was a, a game right now going on, right? And, uh, was it, like, I guess spring training, and they were, like, oh. um, or, or I think they were, might have even been referencing, like, a game from last year. But they basically were, like, this game was, like, two hours and 23 minutes. Yeah. You then put in a pitch clock in that game? it alters the entire experience in this way that baseball is going to be actually, there could be really, really short games. And then are you kind of robbing um, 
the fans not only of the time and experience of uh, the time of the experience of being at a baseball game and also then putting the additional stress on these players and pitchers right who have to rush through the process to, to make these throws on time no look i am i'm all like to me baseball games are way too long they're they're way too long right and uh, i i totally love the pitch clock i've been i've been actually watching uh some minor league games uh which i've never really done before but just to see like this be bro this this one pitcher i want to say two games ago uh i think it was the yankees uh struck out a dude in 20 seconds with three pitches you know what now i'm thinking about i'm like if anything, that also I, I never thought about it from this angle is that like the hitters don't have time to like kind of clock what that pitcher was doing. Yeah, yeah, They're, and then the pitchers have like a batter clock. I, there was also like I, one of the first game of spring training where it was the ninth inning, and bases were loaded, and the the batter wasn't set up in the batter's box, and so uh, that gave him a strike, and that ended the game. Right, so they. They ended the game. Bases loaded, two strikes, and the batter didn't get set up fast enough, and so he yeah. got a penalty and gave that gave him the automatic strike, and that was the end of the game. Right. I, all right. So you know what? That's a really good like, you know, like almost like case study for for like that type of scenario. Like that's got to be something in the rules where you start thinking like, in this kind of last at bat scenario, give them the the time. Right. Yeah. Like let them. Like you should not end a game because a guy's not in the box. I get that it's the rule, and also we were talking about this earlier, right? Like how how about like the times where you bend the rule for the benefit of the game, and then it actually like ends up backfiring in your face because it doesn't work out or it makes things worse later on for consistency. Yeah, and I think like yeah, I agree that I don't think they would in a regular season game they would do that, right? But I. I don't think they're taking anything away from the game. They're just taking out all the dead time that's in the game, right? They're taking away all the, like, uh, I get it. you know. It, it must also be, too, like, to support pitchers and, like, defensive teams for not taking too long so that then teams can steal signs, signal to each other, and bang on trash cans. Always got to go back right? to my outfit, right? Always, hold on. Always got to go back. Full on cheating by the Houston Astros. I just needed to throw that in there. Always got to go back to the defending World Series champ, <laughs> Houston Astros. Right? Look that. <laughs> You're accurate, but that's hilarious. <laughs> Always got to go back. But anyway, like it's just taking out like batters can like after every I, and I hated this. I hated this so much about baseball. Like after every strike, the batter got to come out of the batter's box, undo his batter glove like five different times, tap the bat on his on his cleats ten different times, go back in the in the batter's box for the pitcher to throw it to first five times, right, before coming back. It just it it just takes out all the weight, right? Cause then now pitchers can't throw yeah. it to first more than three times, right? Uh you know, you've got to be in the box you got twenty seconds. Literally. I think the 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 clock is at either twenty, twenty five seconds. The batter has to be in there ready to go uh, by no later than I think it's like eight eight seconds left in the clock. So do you think that that ends up being something that as a base runner, if that guy's got to hurry and he's thinking about the clock, that you then now have an advantage to be like, let me just get this little like yeah, this lead, his patterns 
right? Now you're learning their patterns on a clock to be like, let me just sit here and it looks like I got a, like a regular lead. And now I know this clock is winding down. Let me, I'm going to jump on this because now I get like a really huge jump on a guy if he's worried about that. Yeah, I think I think all all of these rules are, are meant to speed up the game and have more offense, right? They they kind of and, and like kudos to baseball for trying to do something, right? We're always talking about baseball and it being so old and so stuck in their traditions. Like they made the bases bigger, right? And I think they made the bases bigger so we can have more steals. They, uh, like I said, they can't uh, you know throw it to first so many times. They've taken away the shifts so that way like. I saw it again on uh, one of the games I saw like I saw like a legitimate like base hit to the right field grounder right like it was just like wow that's you know there wasn't a shift over there that can just stop that automatically right so uh, yeah how do you feel I think we talked about this before in a previous episode how do you feel about this shift um I think I don't know I guess I, I'm willing to give it a try like it just it's kind of weird when you think of like if you compare it to other sports it's like telling you know a football what's that like a zone defense in basketball yeah, exactly like telling it's like telling even a football team like hey you can't run cover three anymore right everything's got to be man-to-man right you can't run cover two or something like that so i get the strategic part of that being taken away but also like Baseball t- the past couple of years turned into either strikeouts or home runs, right? Because everything, these shifts are just uh, with the analytics. Like everybody knows where these guys are hitting and what direction they're hitting. And so you just shit, send the shift that way. And so I can see it like, I don't know. I- I'm willing to give it a year if it looks too ridiculous and too like they need to take it away. But it'll be interesting. I'm interested in this baseball season for, for just these rule changes, really. Yeah. See how they're going to change things up and and like the shift hurts the astros right they're a big shift team on defense we shift all the time and so i'm interested in seeing how you know these teams just adjust and just go back to like the basics of of, of fielding the ball yeah i think what's interesting about that too is that like if you have uh i'm i wonder how much of in the league where you change a rule like that, how long it takes. Because baseball is such a long season. I don't imagine that people are just like as loudly complaining about it in September as they might be in, let's say, like May. Right. Right. The season. Where people, it was a big deal. It's new. It's like still weird. There might be some balks or some like, you know, some certain situations where things happen and they're like, oh, it's because of these rules. And then in reality, come September, like you just... You just adjust, right? Because it's the rules of the game. What are you gonna do? Like, yeah, you have to those rules. Yeah, I think I think these players will adjust eventually. It'll just it'll take some time. Um, like I said, the game, like you talking about, the game was, was two hours. Like right now, during spring training, the games are averaging. I think they're at like two anywhere from two hours and eighteen minutes to two hours and thirty eight minutes. And the last season, the games were anywhere from uh, I think three oh five to three thirty, right? And that's like I said, it's just taking it's like it's not taking away any action. It's just taking away all the dead time. It's taking away all the non baseball stuff, and they just taking that all ba- out of baseball, and now just get back to the action, right? And I think in, in today's world, like where you know you, you watch everything in, in like ten seconds, right? 
And that's how you watch everything. Like, that's what baseball needed in order to grow. Because right now, they're losing tons of money. Contracts are absolutely crazy. Um, streaming services are, are really hurting baseball. And they're losing a lot of revenue. Because, because of streaming services, your local sports uh, television networks are no longer no longer valid really they're 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 uh filing for bankruptcy and they're they're out I, I think within like the next three years like all those you know the uh fox sports network that just carries the spurs or or like the bally's yeah yeah to cover your like those, those aren't gonna be valid yeah i i'm not gonna lie i've I can't really make it to a baseball game during the season because of the fact that I'm like I'm gonna get home too late when right. it's a, like a week game. But I go to a basketball game because that's gonna be done by nine thirty. Right. The seven o'clock game, it's gonna be done in two and a half hours without a doubt, unless it goes into overtime. I'll make it home still like with definitely enough time before midnight. But if I go to a baseball game and I get out of that baseball game traffic and all of that, like I'm not making it home until <laughs> after midnight. Yeah, it's and that's it. Like even, even for me being a you know, an Astros fan, like watching a regular season game because the fact that there's 162 games, watching a regular season game almost seems pointless, right? There's not much you you yeah. almost, you almost have to dedicate 4 hours right? 4 hours of of baseball for what the game 20 of 162 like I'm not doing that right I'll just cast the highlights I'll cast you know I'll, I'll wait usually what I do is wait for my phone to tell me hey the close the game is close yeah that's true and you then the I'll last, turn the game on yeah I you know that's when I realized how hardcore of a sports fan our Theo Louis is shout out to Theo Louis I, I I think he watches like 150 games a season <laughs> he watches the whole joke just, yeah, yeah. This is a baseball, like, and, and just simply because of those things that you're saying, like where the games are so long, it's like, you know, I think we've both probably watched a good 75 games of a Spurs season, but that, again, two and a half hours and you're done. Like, there's no way that thing's lasting. And so, if you get overtime, it's a treat, right? But if you get innings and baseball, like, God damn it, man. Thursday, bro. Like I gotta. I don't know if I can sit here to watch this. Shit. Yeah, and and like I said, like last year they they implemented during the regular season. Uh, somebody on second, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I like actually. I do. I think it's really and then like to make it tense. Yeah, I like it too. But I I don't like. I always feel like if you if it's a rule, then make it a rule and don't just make it like a regular season rule. Right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right, because I do think it also it also help in the postseason yeah. too. But I, they're worried about that, and you know whatever it is. I, I also don't think it's good though because I think it also makes it harder for closers, right? Because if you have a closer, yeah, where the field can make a, a double play, like throwing a guy out at third, third to first, or something like that, then you know it speeds up the game as well. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's turn this back around. Where we, I don't know how we got into baseball, but we did that. Uh, Going back to to the Super Bowl, what we're talking about, um, the Kansas City Chiefs are are now have a new offensive coordinator because Eric Bieniemy has finally left the Kansas City Chiefs, not for a head coaching job, 
but he has left to be offensive corner in Washington. Which has got to be like the most ballsy shit I've ever heard of. It's like, oh, you, you really do want to earn your job because you're going to have to coaching that fucking team. And I really hope it works out for him just because it, it'd be like sad that it gets tarnished, right? That like this guy doesn't deserve to be a head coach because he does a terrible job in Washington where everyone does a terrible job. It's a terrible place yeah. and a terrible state. I, I think I think honestly it just came down to like him realizing okay I'm never gonna get get the respect that I deserve here in Kansas City obviously like it don't matter how many Super Bowls and how many high powered offense you know I'm gonna have I'm not gonna get that opportunity here because they're just always gonna look at Reed as as being the main guy for that and so he's like sent me to a place who I mean minus quarterback like they got some weapons over there on the offense. Yeah, they do. Tara McLaurin. McLaurin. They got those two runs. Right. Uh, Robinson. Is that his name? No. No. They got Robinson at, at running back. I'm, who I'm thinking of. They got Dotson, McLaurin, wide yeah. receivers. Right? They just they got cut. Antonio. Yeah. Again, Tony Who's cut? They, cut? they cut Carson Wentz last week. Oh. So. Oh, no. There, there are lots of rumors coming out this week that uh, that Washington is in the uh, Lamar Chase trade chase. Uh, so Lamar Jack, yeah, Lamar Jackson. So that'll be crazy if they can pull that off. Hey, that, yo, I, I could see. You know what? I yeah. could see if if the enemy thought, oh, I'm going to get this dude to go over there. And there's a good chance that's going to happen. I can see him why he would take that job. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, again, just shout out to Eric Bien. I hope I hope it works out for him. I hope it's like a two year, maybe like a two year stint, and then finally he'll get a, enough respect to get a head coaching job. But he's been long overdue for for a head coaching job. I think though, one thing I wanted to bring up about coaching job, particularly like play calling in that game, the fact that they ran the same play but on opposite sides of the formation just <laughs> was like ruthless, but also like kind of what you do, right? It felt like very coach and also very video game. Like, like I'm just going to do the same shit till you stop it. And it worked to perfection, both like it wasn't even close on those plays. Like no one was around. Right. Right. And there's obviously something they saw on tape, right? They obviously something yeah. they studied. It was like, I come in here. Right. Exactly. And, and they push that guy. Like on the and that guy, they, they would just send a guy in motion, right? And right. then he would just like flank back out, and then he's like wide open, wide open. And they're like the first time they ran it, they weren't even in the right formation, right? They were, yeah. There's a, a Patrick Mahomes mic'd up, and they coming back from that play, he was like, "Man, we weren't even lined up right." Like we, I was just trying to get guys into the right formation, and then hike the ball. I was like, "That's crazy," and it still worked, right? But uh, but uh, again, Andy Reid, shout out to him. He gave he gave all uh, all kudos and all credit to Eric Bieniemy for That's for right. that play working for that for him drawing up that play and, and realizing that that was gonna work out. Um, the uh, let's just move on here. the The twenty twenty three NBA Hall of Fame list finalist Ooh. list has come out. Right, no. they they should just call it the Spurs Hall of Fame, right? 
they should just call it the San Antonio Spurs Hall of Fame year. Uh, people on this list here, uh, I mean, obviously, it's going to be highlighted by Dwayne Wade, right? I think D. Wade is the number one player on this list. Really? Yeah, I think. Not Dirk. Oh, yeah, Dirk. Between Dirk and Dwayne. Dirk is, Dirk is way more, I think, established, like, at least, like, numbers-wise, like, career-wise, than than D. Wade. Yeah, yeah. I think I think basketball wise, yeah, but I think popularity wise it's gonna be D. Wade. Yeah. Who is D. Wade, Dirk, Gasol, right? Yeah, D. Wade, Dirk, Gasol, and then you got the Spurs, right? Gasol, who's all the <laughs> experts, right? You got Becky Hammond, you've got Tony Parker, you got Greg Popovich. Damn, I didn't even realize Becky Hammond was on that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is Spurs Hall of Fame list, right? You got Paul Gasol. Was, Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Becky. Also, right. You got what? Is it, uh, the Paul Gasol was also a Spur. Yeah, Paul Gasol was a Spur. You got Becky Hammond, ex-coach for the Spurs. You got uh, Tony Parker, of course, Spurs legend. The You got the best coach of all time, Greg Popovich. Uh, let me see who else is on here that we may know. Yeah, I don't know anybody else on the Jennifer Az- Aziz, Gene Best, Gary Blair sounds familiar. Oh, Gene Katie, I know Gene Katie. He's a, a I think coach for Purdue. But yeah, that uh, that that is a, a legit Hall of Fame class right there. Um, the Spurs again. We're we're just gonna call it the Spurs uh, Hall of Fame list uh, year. Uh, Primo, I, I want to stick in baseball real quick. Uh, one big thing that we really haven't discussed is the Kevin Durant trade to the Phoenix Suns. Right, the fall. Yeah. The, the fall of the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> right? The <laughs> yeah total collapse. Yeah, I, I I've been mocking uh, Big Carlos. I'm like Carlos, how much how many hundreds of millions of dollars did he all spend to be in eleventh place this year? <laughs> and he, and he just like stare. He gives me a stare, and he's just like you can tell it, it is like it slightly breaks his heart again, <laughs> and then get like a fuck you or something like yeah, that. And I, yeah. and I Oh man, but yeah, that seems like they had. Uh, uh, I mean, Kevin Durant. They had uh, the beard. What's his name? Harden. Right. Yeah. They they tried to do the beard Harden. They tried Kyrie Irving. They they threw in Simmons in there. That's right. Remember they have uh, Blake Griffin at one point. Yeah, Blake Griffin. Um, and it's just like, it is a mess. Is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you I know mean, what? Bad for in, in all of this is is really like Steve Nash, and then yet I don't because yeah. like he didn't really deserve to be a coach, but at the same time, like you know, you know that he could be a coach somewhere. He probably shouldn't have been a head coach that quick, but it also just like tarnishes him as a coach in general because it just makes him look bad altogether. Like that you can't handle that type of job, and in reality, just like wasn't fair to him. Yeah, but I mean, you like- knew it was. Going into that, He's like, a, say that again. Kyrie is a, a head coach's nightmare. Right, almost as bad as Trey Young. <laughs> almost as bad. I, I think he's got to be worse than Trey Young. No, uh, Trey. Maybe, Young. You know, you're. 
they've probably gotten rid of as many coaches. That Trey Young, Trey Young is in year five and has already got rid of three coaches. God damn. But anyway, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant goes to another super team. Devin Booker mm-hmm. is so much better now. Yes, he's gonna ball out because yeah. DeAndre Ayton super- is down there. CP3 is down there. Now you got Kevin Durant. Um, what do you think about Kevin Durant's legacy with this move? Another Golden State Warrior type of move. What does this do, or, or does it do anything at all for you as far as Kevin Durant's legacy? Uh, legacy is a weird word for me, and I don't know that what Kevin Durant has is a legacy. And not not so much on the, like, just super team chasing rings, because on I remember hearing one argument like that. On those teams, he's the best player. Right, so he doesn't have to prove that he's one of like the all-time greats. Like that—that that is, I guess, I think that's his legacy as like an individual player. He's one of the greatest like one-on-one players ever. I think that with regards to the legacy of like winning, you still have to only look at his like Oklahoma City days because these teams are so loaded that you're kind of like, yeah, if you don't win, you actually—that's your legacy. Right, like which I don't think is fair to players, like the way they treat LeBron on that, like finals losses. But I think for Kevin Durant, it is because it's like the only time you've ever even gotten close to the finals is when you've been on like some of the all-time loaded teams. So I think for him, it, this doesn't help his legacy in regards to like upping his greatness. I think he just stays where he's at. Yeah, it's where like he just grew up like. He went to OKC. OKC was a stack team, but they drafted that stack team, right? They had Russ. They had Kevin. They had Harden. I don't know why I call him Kevin Harden. They had James Harden and him, Serge Ibaka, right? That team was loaded. Um, and then he goes to Golden State. Of course, that team was already a winner. Um, he tried to build his own legacy in Brooklyn, and we just talked about how that blew up in his face. Um I don't like to me this year. I don't think they win it this year. You don't? No, I don't. I mean, I mean, talent wise, they're gonna be there, but I think the only thing that stops them from winning it is injuries, and I think one of them will get injured because I think Duran is injury prone now at this yeah. age. DP three is cursed, right? And I that Aiton possibly could be ready soon for like those big stages, those big moments. But we haven't really seen it just yet. And Booker also looks like he might be injury prone as the season progresses. To me, like the the way that you beat a super team is a well-oiled machine kind of team, right? A team that works together, plays together, is not an individual kind of team. And so when I look at... Uh, a team that if they can get healthy like Golden State Warriors can be that team to beat them in the West I think a well-oiled uh, you know again if they can stay healthy Denver Nuggets team can beat that team absolutely right? that's what I was going to um, then I like so I, I like I like Denver better than the Suns right now I like a healthy Golden State team above the Suns right now um, I, I like 
if they do come out of the West, like they, I like Boston better, and I definitely like Milwaukee better. To me, Milwaukee is, is that's my pick. Yeah, Milwaukee is my pick. Like they're the best team, right? Nobody. Same thing, no injuries. Yeah, same Especially thing. Giannis be out for a little bit. Yeah. So concerning, major concern. I I don't think they pull it out this year. I just think they they have a lot of. Uh, just, I mean, it's going to take time for them to get to figure out each other. And uh, so if he can stay with them next year, they'll win it. As far as Kevin Durant's legacy goes, like, he is who he is. And it's just not like he doesn't care. He, he beats his own drum. Um, I don't think he really cares about his legacy and how he's looked like that. I, I know he's already made comments about that. Like, he doesn't. Nah, I think he cares. Yeah. I think, I think he's so thin skinned. That it bothers him, and he knows at this point, after all these lessons, that he's got to just say, "I don't care," or that like you got to make some. But he cares. Right. Well, he but- cares to be like you were never LeBron, you were never this person, you were never Steph, right? Like he, he cares. Yeah. Well, uh, his 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 Twitter handle now uh, doesn't care. His his uh, his side Twitter handle definitely cares, right? Is the, the one that <laughs> they don't. He's be out there. Commenting, I we gotta remember what his like burner account. Yeah, name. Well, I know his real one is Sniper or something. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because is it, is it, what's his regular? It's like KD Trey or something like yeah, that. Yeah, KD Trey Sniper, I believe is is the whole thing. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I I like. There's so many other teams that are that are, that are put together. I would say Memphis, but. We can start talking about John Morant and his fucking foolery going on right now. You know, when I think of Memphis, I think of Drake. And when I think of now that I think of like Memphis, I also obviously think of John Morant. And I hate both of those guys. Why do you think of Drake when you think of Memphis? Because his dad's from Memphis and he's filmed that video in Memphis. And I feel like that video, that, that music video that he filmed in Memphis where he's trying to look like Southern thugged out is the way that John Morant <laughs> thinks that he's at now. I think John Morant thinks he's in that Drake video. <laughs> so uh, so just let's just give a, a, a summary of, of what John Morant has done this year so far. Okay. So recently, uh, well, just last night he was at the strip club, went live on IG uh, pulled out a gun on live on IG. Like he's get- <laughs> it's, it's just so funny to me. I, these like moments of like stupidity. Just it was a little ass fucking little <laughs> gun too. Bad. It was just yeah, it is stupid. Like and so bef- and then last week it came out that uh, he beat up the seventeen year old kid at his house. Apparently they were playing some pickup ball. Um. John Morant threw the ball at the kid. The kid threw back the ball at John Morant's head. Um, John Morant says that he he the seventeen year old kid squared up, pulled his shorts up, and and came at it and took a step at him. Literally, this is his way. Pulled his shorts up and took a step at him. So that he felt threatened. So him. So John Morant and John Morant's friend uh, whooped his ass. I want to know how he met the 17-year-old, why the 17-year-old is in his house, and also how big is this 17-year-old? Because this 17-year-old better be bigger than him, I'll tell you this, because if there's a 17-year-old that he invited over to his house to play basketball, 
that is smaller than him and then he beat him up then John Moran needs to go to jail yeah I mean he, should, he I feel like he should be already uh, also earlier this season I, I just told you this story uh there is a confrontation with the uh, Boston Celtics where some of John Morant's friends uh, got into it with the Celtics on the sideline. John Morant's friends got tossed out. After the game, John Morant is in his vehicle with his friends. Some type of laser is pointed at the Boston Celtics bus. Uh, it could be uh, you know, one of them handheld lasers that they sell at the corner store. Or it could be a laser that was uh, on the gun. Uh, nobody really knows. But knowing this... <laughs> Man. Yeah, I can't believe it. I one, I want to be like that sounds made up, and then also like now after him beating up a little kid, I am right. a little kid, a kid. It's like, damn, that might be true. That's what you like. The Boston Celtic story came out first. That was the first thing that I heard, and I was like, eh, well, no, come on, man, this is job. But now, like piecing together all this, like, yeah, definitely that was a laser with a gun on it. This is just, and look, man, and then I. I saw some today. I think it was on uh, on uh, Bleacher Report or somebody was on on uh, reporting on it on Instagram, and they were like, John Morant is uh, going back to his hood days. John Morant is not from the hood, All right? Like he's not, he's not, you know, he's not you know, this dude. He's like country rural. Yeah, he's 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 from a well like. I think his mom is a dentist right there. I mean, like, <laughs> sorry. I think we immediately are like, yo, he's a nerd. Yeah. Like, his mom, mom's a dentist. <laughs> right? Like if somebody's mom is a dentist or a teacher. It's like, no, you were raised you, right. Right. Exactly. We don't necessarily know. <laughs> you that not shit. have tough times. Right? <laughs> it's easy. Your teeth are clean the whole time. <laughs> but I mean, this persona that he is uh, portraying himself now. And I get, I mean, being, being in the middle of Memphis, having all that money, like this stuff can can come to you real quick. Yeah, I mean, look, if John Moran is twenty three, forget that like he's like been in the league since a little kid, right? He's John, John Moran is twenty three. To be that rich at twenty three, to have your te- to be that good of a player because he's an incredible player, he's an MVP candidate, and. To have pretty much like life have played out for you in this incredible way. He's also 174 pounds, so I can see him being threatened by anyone. But to be to have all those things, and then in Memphis, where your money must be so much more than everybody around you, right? Like you you feel much richer. Like he must feel like a billionaire in Memphis. Yeah. And so all of this, like, I could see how someone at 23 would make those types of stupid mistakes like waving guns and having guns and thinking yeah, like, but i mean just i mean somebody and i feel like somebody has got to be the adult right and i don't think it's, it's team Morant? why isn't team Morant doing shit because he's loving the he's loving being team Morant right now right <laughs> the way you, <laughs> i can tell how annoyed you are by that guy yeah he's but, just loving <laughs> You know, you know what I want to cue right now. I want to cue uh, Suge Knight calling out T. Morant. Right? He's like, if you want a dad who's not all up in the videos, all <laughs> dancing all up in the sideline, not all up in your commercials, come over here. Right? Wait, I mean, 
like he is doing that, right? It sounds like John Moran went to death row. He's like Tupac right now. <laughs> exactly. Once he this is yeah. I, I, what they need them guns if they're going to be talking shit to people like Shannon Sharp. <laughs> if they think that they're going to go head to head, like I could, you know, what's crazy is that that whole incident. I could see both of them like jumping on top of Shannon Sharp and him throwing both of them off of himself. Like I was like, yo, is Shannon Sharp is the guy. Like Shannon Sharp, but Shannon Sharp is in his fifties, right? He's like yeah. fifty-five years. And he is monstrous. Yeah. Like, I would be terrified to run into Shannon Sharp. He's, like, made of bricks. Yo, it's funny to me how the beginning of the season, like, Memphis was a team, like, everybody liked. Everybody was like, oh, wow, this team is, is the up-and-coming team. This is the team of the future. Everybody's kind of jumping on the bad wagon. I mean, basketball-wise, what, they're second in the West right now? But, like, which, they... Which is... An incredible feat, by the way, to yeah. be second in the West. But they're they're just a bunch of assholes on this team, and nobody likes them anymore, right? They're just not. They're acting like like you would say the Warriors should be acting, right? They're acting like they've done it all already. Yeah. One of, one of the, the like really like amazing, kind of almost close to real life NBA moments that I remember is when. Uh, when Clay Thompson uh, nails that three um, over, what's this guy on the Memphis team? That's probably the most obnoxious when it comes to floor. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. When he nails that three over Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks kind of like tripped and fell, like slides, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Clay Thompson just kind of like doing drills next to him, like talking shit. That moment was hilarious to me and also, like, kind of perfect with regards to, like, NBA drama and, like, what kind of, like, pickup games look like. Right, right. No, I love it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's so much shit going on, bro. Like, some of these players, like, have you heard the freaking, uh, what's going on in the SEC right now with the basketball player out of Alabama? I have not, no. No, so the basketball player out of Alabama, let me see if I can pull up his name here. Um, he's a top five player, right? Alabama is ranked number two in the nation in basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of their players uh, shot and killed uh, an ex-girlfriend, right? Uh, and- so and the the number one player who is let me see if I can find his name real quick. Anyways, is is being apparently uh, so Darius Miles shot his ex girlfriend, and uh, the player since I find it here, what is his name? Anyways, he's a top five player, right? Supposed to be a top five player. What's that say again? Brandon Miller. Yeah, Brandon Miller. So Brandon Miller allegedly oh, the gun. Yeah, gave the gun to Darius Miles. Allegedly. Allegedly. And so uh so that's just crazy in itself, right? And then like stupid stupid thing last week, uh as they're being uh called the starting five is being called out. Uh that guy gets his name called out, gives his high five, and at the end of the high five, one of the players searches him for a weapon. Right? And that's part no. of his... And I was just like, come on, man. Like, what are we... Wake up, guys. Wake up. Is thing. Like, who, who's the coach at Alabama? Somebody. Who's the head? Yeah. Coach? 
these are the things where we talked about. I remember we got into like a back and forth um, discussion about like in situations and games and behaviors with fans and things like that. Like who's responsible for certain things? Obviously, when it comes to players, like players themselves, but also like coaches. Like how are these coaches not like pulling guys aside and being like, this is a time that you need to just like play basketball. And then again, like I said, the SEC, then you have the controversy with uh, Jalen Carter, who is a defensive tackle from uh, Georgia, um, who should be the number one talent, should be the number one pick, right? If if nobody's going to go quarterback, like Jalen Carter is the guy. And apparently he just got arrested, uh, had to go away from the uh, NFL scouting combine. Yeah, there's a warrant out for his arrest. Right, warrant out for his arrest, right? They had uh, uh, a player and uh, a, a, someone from their staff die in a car accident. Um, and then apparently Jalen Carter was in another car and they were racing after the parade that they had. Right, They had a parade for the national championship. They all got drunk. They decided to go out party after the parade, get more drunk. Like remember the Titans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, they uh, they decided to start racing, and two people died. And so you got Kirby Smart here from Georgia saying that there's not a problem going on, like there's not a problem going on in, in his. They they had I think a total of nine people now that have been arrested from the team because of that incident. But when at all cost. Yeah. Win at all costs. That's what it's about. Right? You have murderers <laughs> on your team, but you're the number yeah. two ranked team in basketball. At this, you know, this is like, we, we've we known this and seen this since, what, when did that movie come out? Is that like 97 or 95? The yeah. program? Oh, yes. I just watched right? it the other day, too. It's like, what we're seeing now is almost like a... Uh, the prerequisite for it was like the pro it was like, yo, this is what schools are becoming with regards to like football programs. Yeah. Like this is what you're going to see as like norms. And this is, and I think we thought that that was like shocking. We thought it was real, but we were like, yeah, like those are isolated incidents. And this looks like it's, not, it's just, just everywhere. Football culture. Right. It's just everywhere. You just think like this is at Alabama on the basketball team, right? Like they, they're willing to do this. I know, Miami has also had its problems. Um, University of Miami has always had its problem. Had guys been arrested up and down. Uh, they have their problems right now. Getting uh, with NIL deals, the NC like NCAA is is uh, is attacking University of Miami right now for over for not following the rules and NIL deals. Um, but it's winning at all costs. And right now, with with the transfer portal the way it is. With the NIL deals now, where college players are getting millions and millions of dollars, like it's a business and it's a dirty business right now. And in the middle of it, you got kids uh, who I, they should be getting paid. Absolutely, I agree. Like they they need to be getting money, but there's really no rules on on any of this stuff, and there are no repercussions. Right there, these coaches aren't being held accountable. Right, these athletic directors are not being held accountable. The presidents of the of the schools are not being held accountable for any of this. And until that happens, like 
it's going to be the wild, wild west in college. Yeah, I think particularly when you look at college football and the way that now the NCAA doesn't have, like, the same hold on things, like, it really just is, like, follow the money, right? Like, as a, as a student, like, you're going to go where you get the best NIL deal. You're going to go where you have the best shot to go pro. Like, wherever, you can, wherever they can package that the best is going to be where players decide to go. It's not really about, I wouldn't think, like, regional... Uh, loyalty anymore where like kids from their own state want to play for the state school um, that we've seen forever or also like even those schools that you know if a school decides to shift their money around towards this type of investment then you start having like small programs be able to offer a lot of money to particular star players just to up their program and now it shifts the balance of like what is considered powerful in those like in just college football across the country yeah, like, I mean, to me, it just, it evens out the playing field for everybody, kind of, you know, longer going to have these automatic powerhouses, right? And this is why some of the coaches that are, are uh, used to being the powerhouses um, have come out against this NIL deal, right? Jim Beheim came out uh, just recently and talked about how the University of Miami uh, literally bought their team. And because they, now University of Miami, they have like a top 15 team. Right, and they've never been like that in basketball, right? But he, Jim Beheim, like, bro, you got Carmelo Anthony to go to Syracuse, right? Like, you, we know like how you did that, right? Like, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, like you just, it just went public, right? Like you got away with it, right? So, um, it just is what it is. I just think, and I, one like. Players aren't going to stick around and wait to get playing time, right? They're not going to do that anymore, right? They're not going to. They're not going to want to grow inside this uh, inside this program. They're going to leave right away and find a program where they can where they can play and where they can make money. Uh, so it's just, I'm not against nil at all. Like I, I, I agree. Again, these players should be getting money. The problem is to me with NIL deals, again, is the universities are not being held accountable, right? This money doesn't come out of the universities, right? The universities that are making millions and billions and billions of dollars off of these guys still don't have to put no money up for these players, right? Yeah, exactly. And so because of that, there's no consequences to these schools. Like it's going to be a wild, wild west. Nobody trusts the NCAA to do anything because they they've been shit forever, and so you know it's what what I think is going to happen eventually is there's just going to be a power five schools and that's like they're going to govern their own selves. NCAA is going to not be I, I probably like in the next three to five years I think the NCAA is going to go away, and just the power five schools are going to govern themselves and then it'll be the red like. It'll be a minor league for every other colleges. Do you think then this shifts like uh, this is like a threat to like career coaches that weren't players or like star players? Because I feel like the it's like almost like Deion Sanders. What we're seeing right is this former superstar is going to be able to recruit very high talent, top talent across the country because of their own name. 
and be able to also bring in money to those schools because of their own name does this then put like the trent dilfers of the world into positions where your name as a former player then now gets you money and athletes to flock to those campuses and universities where then now campuses and universities are like well forget coaches like we just want a star name to be tied to our school to just build up revenue yeah i think if if they don't adjust to the times then they're you know they've got to adjust they've got to be uh you know be active in the transfer portals and realize that you know that you're gonna have to recruit every year every year right um you're gonna have to be active on these nil deals um if you if you're just thinking that, that people are just gonna come to duke because you're duke anymore like that's not gonna happen if you think you know but we're north carolina people are gonna come here it's not gonna happen right if you if you you know if you want to be a miami and just say hey like we got money over here uh then yeah you, you're gonna have to adjust nobody's just coming to you and then uh you brought up dion like i don't know if you've heard his crap that's been coming out of his mouth recently did you hear the interview that he did the other day he got some beef over no i didn't what was he complaining about so he he was talking about what he looks for in players right and he was like so uh when i'm recruiting a quarterback i need uh you know i'm looking for a a, a kid who's who comes from a, a good home a two-parent home established home with money uh that's just the kind of type i'm recruiting now if i go in now if i'm recruiting a defensive lineman like i want a single parent home that come from the hood and if if, if you don't have that in the background and i'm just like you realize like what what is spewing out of your mouth for one for one okay you're starting quarterback on your team your son comes from a broken home because you divorced <laughs> his mother okay so Damn, louis let it bro that's <laughs> well, not saying... where i thought you were going that shit is hilarious <laughs> okay that's i'm just not saying where i thought you were going with this i thought you were gonna be like let me hold into the whole moral high ground and instead you went fucking ham on his family well uh, he's <laughs> to me right now like dion is i don't know man he's just he's he's fumbling this bad i love dion sanders i want to make it known I love everything. I don't like that. I didn't know that you said that, but I think he's good for for football. I think he's hilarious. I think he's motivational. But I also think that like to see a guy like Dion as a, a coach, I, I think I think it inspires players in a way. And I, and I, I have to trust that this guy knows football really, really well, right? Like that he is at least a decent coach. But I. I don't think any of us ever thought, though, that Deion Sanders is, like, the wisest man. No, no, absolutely. I, and I, I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think – I think he's a good manager, and he's going to bring people all around that can, can be coaches for him. Right, but he, he's going to be able to recruit. He's going to be able – but, I mean, there's a lot of people pissed off at the comments that he made. It's kind of uh, – you know, it's very if, – if a white coach makes that comment, like, that coach is done for no it's a wrap yeah yeah yeah. it's a wrap i i get what you're saying but he is definitely like right on the line like he's fucking around with it yeah and then he like he uh he had a meeting 
with his the band and the dancers and was telling them that uh that he expects them to be more of a HBCU type of band and dancers in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, and so that all the traditions from he wants to bring over all the traditions from HBCU over to Boulder, Colorado. And like a lot of people again were talking like you're trying what are you doing here, bro? Like what are you <laughs> This this is where now he is gonna get that like you're not HBCU. Yeah, exactly. Right? You that's the whole point. You can't carry those things over. Like it's not No. Not appropriation. Right. I don't know that Dion though is up on that particular political, racial, historical. Well Dion just thinks to me, Dion thinks he's Dion and he can just say and do whatever he wants and people are gonna love him no matter what. And so he's just gonna be in that room. I, I think I do think that Dion thinks that he's pushing a like black is beautiful agenda. And I think that he's just gonna force it and he thinks like, nah, I'm just gonna put it there and that's it's just gonna you're gonna need to deal with it because I'm making sure, but I don't think he understands the ways in which this is like complex. You right. know, I don't think he sees the complexly complex the complexity of it. He's seeing it as like, no, it's very simple. You just do these things that are black and they're amazing and you should like admire them. Yeah, this, you can't. All those white kids that are going to be in that band. <laughs> exactly. I can't play wait. and dance and move like this. I just can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see that HBCU Boulder, Colorado <laughs> going up. Anyway, people, like that's that's kind of our sports. Our, 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 we, we talked about it. We want to kind of branch out a little bit more. Um, so we're going to come to this segment where we're talking a little bit more of, of what's going on in the world. Some things that we missed. Uh, since our last episode was Chinese spy balloons going around the country. Yo, that is crazy. <laughs> it, is, it is crazy. They shot down a couple of balloons. Uh, some were like, I'm not sure if all of them were Chinese spy balloons. So there was some report that alien activity in some of them. Uh, There's another report that I saw. It was just somebody uh, studying the weather from a little... Uh, a junior college kind of uh, a program that uh, all of a sudden had their balloon shot down. Uh, what is going on in this country? <laughs> I, yeah, I. Yeah, I, I don't. One, I, I was shocked that, with regards to the spy balloons, that those things would not have been picked up. If they're spy balloons, right? Like, how are these not detected in any way um, that they, like, were just existing? Because it, it seems like the story would say that they're just, like, floating in, like, kind of regular airspace. That somehow, like, I don't understand how these things were not detected. That's the first <laughs> thing, right? So that's one. That was the thing to me was, like, like that makes me feel like, no, they knew that those things were there and now have to say, like, that they didn't. And I don't necessarily know that that's also not just like blaming the Chinese and that they're not even Chinese. I don't know. Like, I really don't know what to believe about these things because it seems too unreal that they would just be like a mystery floating in the air. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not like, I believe the Chinese have been spying on this forever. I believe the Russians, of course, yeah. like every, like, and we're doing the same thing to them, right? Um, agree 
defending the Chinese. Right. They're, and also, <laughs> like, they're also apparently uh, there are a couple balloons that were detected in, during the previous administration that the previous administration did nothing about and just kind of let it let it happen. Um, but, I mean, we are getting so close. If things are about to hit the fan uh between i mean and it all started with 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 russia right invading ukraine uh, a little over a year ago um also with you know china is is barely is is backing russia in this in this realm um north korea is going through a lot of problems themselves they're about to they're about to like they're they're running out of food in North Korea, and I have a feeling that uh, Kim Jong Un is is about to hit the panic meter over there, and we definitely don't want that dude to hit the panic meter. Yeah, I think you know that's one of the things about the war in Ukraine with the the times in which the Russians had lied about kind of like. The, not necessarily a truce, but where they were going to, like, stop the war to allow for, like, grain to be shipped. Right. And, uh, which I, I'm going further into, like, how the grain supply actually threatens, like, the global economy. Um, and just really that, like, that is also how many, many countries are able to keep the flow of goods and also food in particular um, in movement. And, and so... When I looked at it, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense as to why, like, the Russians would mess with grain supply at particular moments in the war, not just to, like, mess with Ukraine, but also to mess with the global economy, right? Because then, it, like, as you create static for everyone else, then they're worried about that, and they're not paying attention to what you're doing in the war, right? And so all these ways in which people are, or, or countries, I should say, are distracting one another, I think that there is everybody's spying on everybody so that's not a surprise to me the spying wasn't a surprise the surprise was just the way in which it's being done and how this was not really notified but more so i want to go back to what you originally said it was you said the word alien and then we never like we haven't gone back to <laughs> alien my real concern in this whole thing like i don't care about the spying anymore i want to know what the aliens are more so these aircrafts because i remember you're hearing about this years ago and being like you know like these are they um, unclassified documents about, right. right, like, uh, unusual flying objects that Navy pilots, U.S. Navy pilots had reported on various occasions about seeing things that can do maneuvers that are not physically possible right. in aircraft. That, to me, is like, you, what? Yo, it, like, it what? is... It's it, spoken of anywhere. Exactly. It's so crazy to me, like, like, for years and decades and decades, we've had all these movies and all these things and all this, you know, wondering if aliens really do exist. And now the government has literally come out and said, yes, we have documented that these things really do exist. And then, like, we're just like, eh, okay, moving on to the next thing. Yo, for real. Like, what, just... what's... <laughs> what is going on indeed? What is going on? Are they here already? Uh... Are they walking amongst us? What kind of aliens do we have? Do we have aliens that that take the shape of us? Do do we have aliens that are like like I I'm I'm interested. I, I'm ready to know where they're at 
uh, go talk to my primo first. He'll, he'll talk to you. And then after that, then I'll talk to you. Okay. Yeah. the <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still just like dumbfounded by it. And I don't know how these like particular stories are not, are not talked about in a way in which where we're just like asking questions. I think it speaks to the ways in which we're all like distracted, like I mentioned before. But one person, I'm looking at a, a Twitter feed from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's one yes. of the few celebrities in their field that I will trust and be like, I want to hear what this guy yeah, has to I say. I love that dude. And he, he, in one of them, the in in the heat of this, on February 11th, there's a uh, a Twitter post where he's it's to be clear, the Chinese balloon was an authentic UFO until it was identified, and then it became an IFO. So it's like, yeah, this is like this idea that there's aliens and yet so much shit that the governments are involved in is that we probably won't know because they're going to cover up anything that they can. And like you mentioned, even when there's like things that are full proof that they, we, there is nothing like we cannot explain these things. Mm -hmm. The, the, the laziness to not go in to find out what they actually are is the thing. But I also am at the point now, particularly after the Trump administration and just how blatant that was of just like how many things are going to consistently be covered up and that like democracy is not really on our side. I don't really know what to trust, which is ultimately what they want, right? Is that like you don't believe in anything anymore. And I think in the long run, whether we shift or not, the other, the, the real serious threat that I am the most concerned with, actually, because like I'm the most interested in aliens, but the one I'm most concerned with is AI. Oh, yeah. And AI is to humanity and the ways that people are like, we're so immersed in technology that we're just like wanting to develop more and more and more like smarter technology that... I am terrified of AI and like the growth and lack of accountability and governance over AI. Like I'm, I'm really scared. Well, you, <laughs> you, you've heard about, uh, I think they're bringing back the woolly mammoths, right? Yeah. Yes. I saw that too. Yes. That's insane. That is, like, have you not what? seen any of the Jurassic Park movies? <laughs> Why would they do that? Jesus Christ. They're just following the Jurassic Park movies. They've got an island set up where they're just going to have woolly mammoths. They're going to use DNA from... I mean, they just watched Jurassic Park movies and be like, yes, let's do this. That's going to be the, the world. It's going to be woolly mammoths versus AI with cocaine bears. I want to oh, see that movie. Me too, bro. I can't I, wait. I didn't the horror movie when I saw the poster and I was like what the fuck is this dumb shit and then I realized what it was and I was like oh I gotta see this yeah I first off first off <laughs> yeah, it, it's I a true seen you story about something <laughs> a long time man I tell you it is so hard it is so hard uh, being out here in Idaho and like we don't me and my wife we don't get to watch like we don't go to the movies to watch adult movies alright and so anytime we're going to the movies, it's a kid movie because we just, we don't have babysitters or anything like that out here. So, uh, yeah, when I found out that movie was going to theaters, I was like, God damn it. I got to wait so much longer. I can't wait for that fucking movie to come out. 
I cannot wait to watch that movie. What is more exciting than a bear high on cocaine going fucking nuts? And the fact that it was a true story, like it's not a true story, like it's based on a true story. Like yeah, there was yeah. literally a cocaine bear out there. Uh, but like, yeah, I can't wait to watch that fucking movie. I am excited. Yeah, it's uh, it's also I think it's Ray Liotta's last movie. Yeah, well, it's one, yeah, right. well, he died in the middle of making a movie, and I don't think that that movie has come out yet. Okay, okay. And so I think that movie is still coming out. But speaking of being high on cocaine, right? I want to transition real quick to <laughs> to uh, another segment that we're going to start doing is just our kind of our music segment, right? And so yes. it's obviously to me that the people in billboard were very high on cocaine right they recently came out with the top 50 list of the greatest rappers of all time and i just want to go over their top five okay real quick their top five according to billboard number one everybody knows it's hove right that's the easiest number one that you can ever make in a top five list it is hove jay-z they got it number two already they have kendrick lamar at number two Number three, they have Nas at number three. Tupac is four, and Eminem is at five. So bad. Wait. All right, pick one. Who's the one that for you is like cannot at all be in this? Because uh, I'm gonna say this too, uh, just to be consistent. I know your argument at different times and talking about or not even talking about just comparing artists mm -hmm. is um like their catalog right like right. the longevity the amount of work or material that they've created and so look I, I would just break down like Kendrick Lamar I don't think he can be quite there yet right he can't be number two yet yeah right especially after the last album the last album was, was not very good um I would not have him at number two uh Nas is a great rapper. He he's he is a legend. Three? No. Okay. Tupac, I love Tupac. We grew up on Tupac. Um, but he died young. Like I don't know if I can put him in my top five. He just doesn't have the, the I don't think that Tupac or Biggie if we're if we're using the uh the argument of catalog or longevity or I don't think either one of them can be in the top five. Right. And then you have Eminem at five, which is okay. Like it's Eminem, like I respect Eminem. I respect what he's done for rap. Me personally, like he's not on a lot of my playlists, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe one or two songs, um, but like I, I can't put him in the top five for me personally because I just I don't rock out to Eminem like that, and I don't really know like a lot of people who who do rock out to him like that unless they're caucasian right like yeah he, he is the he's the great white hype i will say that maybe not lyrically i mean but lyrically he's got a, a decent argument with, with regards to like the things that he says but and just his um his like cadence and flow like eminem's nasty like he's yeah, yeah. he's more versatile than most and I think his versatility as a rapper is the thing that's like, oh shit. Like, it's the thing that blows you away about him, right? Like, the skill of that part of his rap persona is the thing to me where I'm like, yeah, I can't deny 
Eminem as like an all time great rapper. Yeah, I, and that, honestly, like in his top five list, yep. like he's the one besides Jay Z. Like he's the one that I really don't have that like problem with him being in the top five. Uh, this is the thing though. In this top ten, I, I don't want to go. Yeah, you want to go ten? You want to start with number ten? Yeah, that's the one I was gonna bring. <laughs> Nicki Minaj is at number, 10, and it's like, right? Like this is where then you lose credibility as a list, right? Exactly. Like, like this is where like, okay, never mind. Like this isn't a real list, right? Because you like, have you I, have Nicki over yeah. J Cole, Andre three thousand, Yay, LL Cool J, D. Like you, what? I hate Kanye, and yeah, the fact that she's in front of Kanye is insane to me. Yeah, yeah. So what you got for me? I'm going I'm to put you to the test right now as we wrap up the show. Give me who deserves to be in this top five. All right, real quick, though. So we're going we're gonna to count catalog longevity right. material. That's one. What, what other? Give me, like, two more. Lyr- lyrically, we got to have lyric. Like. And what else? What are the categories? I mean, hits. Hits? Yeah. Okay, so we're talking popular, right? Hit, like me, popularity, yeah. like reach. How yeah. many people? Is, is there something else that you? They, okay. I, I think that should be. No, no, okay. I'm always terrible at picking the categories because yeah. I feel like then I come. I'm one of those people that comes up with like ten categories, and I don't think that that's <laughs> that's right. But out of those three, if we're talking hits, so then in just that, those three. I think in looking at this list, you got to go Jay Z, and there's no particular order, and I'll put them in order after. But Jay Z, Lil Wayne, Snoop Dogg have to be in the top three, right? Because I always feel like I always forget Snoop Dogg on these lists, and that's uh, that's me taking them for granted. If you're if hits is that important, say it, say it, you gotta I, say it. And Drake to me is an actor playing a rapper. Which is was really hard for me, and also I think it's it seems pretty obvious that you know whether it's in like hush hush or just even people saying a lot that he has ghostwriters, right? Which is the thing for me that feels like the most compromising. Not the not the fact that I hate him and that he's a possible like gross possible like pedophile groomer and <laughs> blackface. Don't forget about blackface. Like yeah, not all those things. Not on his like just as a person, but I don't know, man. It's hard for me to like pick somebody who's like a ghostwriter, right? And then okay, so then if that's the case, then Eminem is in the fifth spot. If we're going hits, yeah. Here, here's the thing about like all these dudes got ghostwriters, right? They don't all write their old crap. One of the biggest hits from Snoop Dogg is uh, still DRE, right? Jay-Z wrote yeah. that friggin'. Yeah. Which is why. But Jay-Z's. So this is the thing. Is Jay-Z in these top five the only one that's not in question? Like, who are your top five in those three categories? Yeah. I know Drake gave you some Drake. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm with you. We're pretty close, right? I, I got Jay-Z as my number one. Um, I definitely got to put Snoop in there. Um, Drake is in there. Uh, I think I think we got to get a little bit more respect to LL Cool J. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I I think I can put him in there at four, and then I would have uh, 
Wayne at five. So I would have the woman. Now that I think about it, that I could have probably lived with at being number ten, and not only woman, but more so because like there's so many like the history of female rappers has been minimized by men and by right. the industry. It's not their fault. Um, it doesn't mean that they haven't been talented, but like Missy Elliott. Yeah, if you're gonna somebody in the top ten in that way, Missy Elliott would have been the one yeah. for me. To me, to me, the queen of rap. Mm-hmm. And, and probably like the original first one that I ever heard female rapping was Queen Latifah. So I feel like Queen Latifah yeah. is up there. Um, she also reminds me a lot of my sister. Yeah, I was gonna say I was like, it wasn't that, that one. Was- she reminds. Sister, but also like I, I didn't I, I don't know this was a big fan yeah of her, she right? was a big fan of her they they kind of looked the same right they were just they got yeah they have the same like but Queen Latifah yeah. because I, I mean I got into rap because of my sister she got into rap and then yeah. Queen Latifah was one like the one that got her into rap right and so but yeah I would say definitely like to me Missy is probably the best rapper of all time but I I like Queen and that's person like like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, so my top five list right now. Like I said, I got Jay Z, I got Snoop, um, I've got Drake, I've got uh, Wayne, and then LL Cool J. But that's just like going through the categories. Now, if I could have like top five of what I listen to, that would be yeah. a different top five, right? Yeah. What what is but that? What does that top five look for you? Four. What's that? They got Queen Latifah at 44. Oh, that's so disrespectful. Like, how many women did they have ahead of her? They only got, like, five. So you got Nikki ahead of Queen. You got Missy. She's at 19. Lauren Hill at 30. Lil' Kim at 31. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. Yeah, but what what's your list look like for for stuff that you listen to? Did I, oh, like my favorite rappers? Yeah. If I, this is the thing, right? These are the categories are different. So to me, one of the main categories is just like how how the depth of the shit that you say. Like, right. do, are you making people think about? And it doesn't mean that you got to make them think about deep shit, but you got to make them think in general. Like, are you putting shit out there that makes people be like, "Oh, damn, I felt that." Which is why, like, I'm interested. I'm. It's interesting to me that you don't think Kendrick's last album was great because it's essentially like a therapy album. Yeah. Like it's a f- shit in that album. Um. But which I think makes people be like, you have to be honest thinking about when you listen to his music. But I would say for me, I would go Jay Z. I've always been a Jay Z fan. Um, Jay Z, J Cole, Kendrick. Uh, most deaf and but i don't think most deaf has the catalog so that's like that's the thing right, too right i'm i'm so split well nas i'll go nas those four mm-hmm. those are probably my top four and then I can't believe I'm going to say this because I, I actually have grown to like him over time. And I also say, I also think that he's one of the guys that, to me, has the catalog, has the, like, wordplay, and also, like, can do, like, has the versatility 
but he's also the true meaning to me of what success is, which means that this person has gotten better after every piece of work that they put out, which is Little Wayne. I think, like, I remember Little Wayne when we were like teenagers and he was a teenager and being right. like, this guy's trash. This shit is <laughs> the terrible. Yeah. And then being like, wait, like he has gotten better over time. Some A lot of rappers don't do that, which we, we you know, you hear Jay Cole talk about a lot, right? Like. That you don't get better over time and a lot of rappers don't but those i think would be the five it would be jay-z j cole would probably be my number two kendrick my number three um nas four and, and uh, lil wayne five all right now the real list now it's uh, ours again are similar like it's almost like we grew up together right so i definitely j hove is is obviously number one uh also j cole to me is number two um, he just came out with a new song uh, this uh, this on Friday, yesterday. So make sure you yeah. keep that game out. Um, to me, like I, I like when I when I go back when it's really like depending on what kind of mood I want to listen to, right? Like if sometimes I feel like fighting, sometimes I feel like working out, <laughs> right? Sometimes I feel like uh, being sad, you know, depending on all that. But usually, like. Um, I like to listen to a lot of uh, a DMX. It gets me hyped, right? So I, I would probably put DMX up there. <laughs> that's, that's just because you went to a school where yeah, the Rough Rider was a Rough Rider. Yeah, Rough Rider. Shout out. It's enough. Hearing y'all's band play that, <laughs> hey, y'all, there's, there's like very few like visceral memories with music that i have and that is might be the top one like i remember getting chills and being like oh shit i want to hit somebody like i wish i was playing football and right this is, like, yeah, I, think, how do you not play football listen right you got to think like just to everybody listen out there this, this is this is when the, the song came out right this is exactly. it's not nostalgia when we're playing like this is like a new hot this is rough rider anthem we are the rough riders dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> oh man it was yeah. so hype yeah i know I'm getting chills right now. I remember that shit. I, was, yeah. ah. um, I remember just was so lucky that you got like an anthem for the time that you're living in. <laughs> um, also, like I have to go back to to my old school days and being from Texas, like my favorite Texas rapper of all time is Scarface. Um, my mind playing tricks on you, like that. I, like I love going back. Whenever I want to go back to like some like I'm I'm back in my wannabe hood days. You know, I, I would go back to, <laughs> to, to Scarface. Um, and then uh, I have to go. Who's that? This is my number five. Um, Buster. Buster Rhymes gets me hyped too. And I, I feel like he gets, like, I feel like yeah. he, should, he should definitely be in the top 10 of, yeah. of, of the previous category that we're doing. Yeah, I, no, I think you're right. They got him at He's 33. Like, disrespect by, like, not keeping them in the, in the mix at all times yeah but anyways all right primo that's our show oh we, we kind of hit a lot of spectrum and those of you wonder like we, we're trying to we're, we're trying to expand our, our show here a little bit and just kind of talk about everything and not just sports just things that are important to us and i think that that you guys out there would would enjoy more if we just talk more things that are personal to us and, and then we, we talk to we talk about each other uh, on a daily basis 
and just have it out here for you so just look forward to more to more of this coming out um i think uh we're finally in a place where we can probably start uh coming out with more episodes we won't have this long hiatus between them now uh so i look forward to to uh to the rest of these episodes as we come up on a year pretty much we're almost at a year that we've been doing this already yeah you're right damn yes so anyway all right shout out to all the primos out there Again, we are the Puro Pinche Primos, and we are out.